Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I actually watched that Motherwell game back there. Scott Brown was in bad. three times. Episode 245 of 20 Minute Tims. I'm Jamie and I'm joined by Stephen. Hello. And Melly. Yes. And for the first time this year, we have got two wins in a row to talk about. Celtic are back, baby. We're back in the big time. Back to back wins to talk about. But listen, before I do that, I just want to ask you, dear listener, a question. Why are you not a patron yet? Why are you not a patron yet? That, that's the question I want to ask you. The support of our patrons has allowed us to take this podcast from a once weekly flagship podcast to a complete Celtic fan media juggernaut that covers Celtic <laughs> beginning, middle and end, match day coverage, features, scouting, tactics, data. We cover it all now and that is all because of the support of our patrons. And if you want to help build this podcast into something more and something better and help us take the podcast where we still think it can go, check out patreon.com slash 20 minute tims. You can support us from about £2.20 a month. Get yourself some lovely extra content. Support your pals at TMT. Everybody's happy. Right, boys. Two wins here, guys. Is it Neil 10 on? Is the 10 back on? <laughs> <laughs> so you're asking, is the, is the league back on, Stephen? Well... Judging by my calculations, we need to win all our games, including the two against Rangers, and see them lose four games in total before the end of the season. So in, in an extremely optimistic way, I suppose you could say it is, well, if you want to be positive, and I think it's about time we started being a bit more positive with two wins to talk about, the league title race is more on now than it was you, two weeks ago. You're the moron, mate, if anyone is. <laughs> I knew somebody's going to pick up. So yeah, Melly, we're, mo- we're more in the race now than we were two weeks ago. How does that sound? Sounds smashing. Better than I could have hoped for recently. I didn't expect Rangers going up to Hamilton and dropping points, but Celtic, a, a tough game on Wednesday night and they came through it quite well. Yeah, I think one thing that I've taken away from this week for Celtic is that you know, Neil Lennon rang the changes and we're going to talk about some of the squad selections and stuff in the two games from last week. But it seemed like we got a lot of confidence from the Kelly game. That was a good performance, a good result against a a Kilmarnock team in a pitch that's been quite sticky for us in the past. Then we went into the Motherwell game. We got that early goal, which I thought was key. And then it kept the confidence up. And I think it's just about building this confidence brick by brick. We're we're not going to win the league. No, as much as we're joking about it, we still need... I think Rangers have got 10 games left and we need them to lose six of them, including both... Yeah, including <laughs> both the Celtic games, right? Okay, right. Aye. As much as we're joking about it, we can at least look at these games as something better than we've been served up recently. We are obviously taking into account the bigger picture here, and that it doesn't amount to an awful lot. But in the here and now, these games have been positive results. That there's no getting yeah. away from that, and that's all we can ask for at the moment. Well, we can ask for more things than that, but we're not getting what we're asking for just now. So the games, at least, are something. I know, Melly, we can't sit here in all seriousness and slaughter the team when they lose and then we score six in two games and concede one and then slaughter the team for that as well. No, especially the Kilmarnock game, as you said, it's a sticky sticky pitch for us. We've only won six of our last ten games there, so we have dropped points there a lot. And to go up there and win 4-0 is a great result for any Celtic team. And that's the biggest win there since the 6-0 and Lennon's first title win in, back in 2012. So we've done really well getting the result up there. And to be honest, we played really well as well in parts as well. 
Yeah, the live preview show I predicted that Celtic would win 4-0 and Scott Brown would get a goal. Now, that's exactly what happened. I think that's the first time I've got any sort of prediction right all season. Stephen, let alone getting it absolutely bang on and predicting the Scott Brown goal. Scott Brown's reintroduction to the side was met with a bit of confusion pre-match. Um, people thought, oh God, here we go again. Neil Lennon sort of going back to what he knows, falling on on, on old habits once more. Um, but I thought Scott... Yeah, once more for the hardcore, as we've put it on the, this podcast. But I thought Scott Brown was pretty decent. And I'd ask the question pre-match, you know, have, since Scott Brown has come out of the team, yes, Soro and Turnbull have played well, but have Celtic's overall performances improved so much? And I'm not necessarily sure that they have. Um, but taking the Kilmarnock game in isolation, I thought it was a terrific performance, the best performance we've seen for quite a while for Celtic. And it was a, a good Scott Brown performance, given yeah, it people's was. reservations. Um, yeah, and it, I don't think it's any coincidence though that his best performance recently comes off the back of a prolonged period of time out of the team because mm. this is what we know about Scott Brown. This is what we know about players of that age. He's probably going to be better after a break and you know, predictably enough, he was. I think that the problem is the dilemma people were in with Scott Brown just now is that if you bring Scott Brown back in, that alone isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it comes at the expense of one of the more popular players just now, one of the sh the only shining lights we've seen of the season, and that's Sorrow. So th there is the, the sort of double hit of that, right? Mm. Not an awful lot of people really want Scott Brown back in the team anyway, but they also it also comes at the expense of Sorrow. So I understand why people aren't really particularly keen on it, because what off always happens as well is that Neil Lennon makes up some daft excuse for not playing Sorrow, whether it's fatigue yes. or food poisoning or something like that and I have to wonder see if you're having to make excuses make, make up illnesses for your own team selections are they necessarily the right ones but in fairness you know, Scott Brown was, was perfectly fine in this game even getting a, a rare headed goal can you tell me the last time Scott Brown scored a header oh I think a goal against uh, no, against Celtic for Hibs no, but it, it's a long, long time ago. Anyway, this is as per transfer marked. It was in May 2011 against Kilmarnock, of all people, Ooh, as well. So I, separated by almost 10 years were Scott Brown's headers. I, I I pictured, this is how much of a Scott Brown fanboy I am. I said the cup <laughs> final there because Scott Brown did make a head on the cup final. That's I think it was right, Lee yeah. Griffiths that scored the tap in, but yeah. in my head... I like Scott Brown so much and I hate Lee Griffiths so much that that was a Scott Brown, that was a Scott Brown goal. The Mandela you an effect, idea, I think they call that. To give you an idea how long ago that header was, the number one at the time was Party Rock Anthem by LMFAO. Oh, <laughs> classic. <laughs> classic, shut up. <laughs> Just to answer your question there, uh, Jamie, on have Celtic played better or got better results without Scott Brown and the team. Somebody said this to me last week and I looked into it and the answer is yes. They've only won like four games that Scott Brown's, yeah, Scott Brown's been involved in and have won over six in much less games. So yes, they have been better. Right, okay. I don't know if we can attribute that down to Scott Brown, but you know, I'll, okay. take, I'll take your point. I have to accept it somewhat. So it was Scott Brown that kicked off the scoring. Uh, second goal from the, from the Odson Edward, who I thought again, I thought he was terrific. Odds and Edward and Ajeti up front. I'm, I like. I think on paper this is our strongest partnership. Really, I, I don't think there's much debate about that. Our strongest yeah, strike partnership. They just need to play a bit more games and get used to working with each other a bit more. Um, Ajeti though was brought down, dived. But he was according to the SPFL disciplinary panel that there's something to look into there. He won the penalty when the the keeper came rushing out. To me, it looked like contact. To me, it looked like. I feel like I've seen penalties like that given 100 million times in football and there yeah. doesn't seem to be much disagreement or this much discussion about it. Call me a bit paranoid, but while strangers are kicking up almighty, who knows what about, you know, retrospective action against their players in the same time frame, Celtic get hauled up for this one. Melly, what was your opinion on the Ajeti dive? I don't think it was a dive, to be honest. It was like, it was Andy Walker's wet dream, wasn't it? The keeper rushing out, he takes a wee touch and then he goes down. It's so daft from the keeper. I try to think of it if it that with that sort of decision. If it was down the other end, what would I be saying about Celtic? And I'd be raging at Celtic's keeper for coming out and doing that. A jetty's going away from goal. He's not getting a shot away. There's no need to dive in like that. And he catches him in the ankle for me. For this simulation charge is yes, he went down easy, but he was he was clipped a bit, so he had a right to go down, as Andy Walker would say. So I think it's really daft, and I think if it had been any other week, he wouldn't have been hauled up now. For me, Stephen, though, simulation, 
would for me simulation would have to be no contact. Yeah. That needs or, or or needs or contact and well maybe not within contact reason. Yeah, yeah. But I mean that was there was the the keeper as a jetty's running away from him makes contact with his ankle and he goes down. It's it's bizarre to me that there's so much discussion about it. Aye, to me it's not really that much of a debate or it is a debate right you can have the debate over this but it, it's not really any stronger or more compelling than oh I've seen them given or oh it's mm. a bit soft that's it really is, yeah. is there really any more to, to consider than that now you'll not catch me defending it see if I look at it and it's a dive you'll not catch me coming on here and saying oh but oh, there was there was slight contact or anything like that because I'll, I'll call it what it is I don't particularly like diving and I think a Yeti is maybe getting a wee bit of a reputation for himself just now because he's he's done a few so far nothing, nothing that's ever really led to anything but it goes down very very easily but I watch that back and I think right okay if I'm the other team I feel slightly aggrieved at it that maybe you've mm. The keeper has maybe rushed into things, given the referee a decision to make all those cliches and all that. But then I think, ugh, but it's not like the, the retrospective or retroactive action on it to me is absolutely ludicrous. It, it smacks to me of trying to even things up a wee bit because Rangers sure. keep, keep getting away with absolute murder and people are looking back into these incidents that happen where, where they should, they're pretty much getting away with a red card, a straight red card defence in every game. So you know how Scottish football works. If you're going to pull them up for something, you better find yourself something to do Celtic for as well. And we're not one of these paranoid, like, we're not a paranoid as a podcast or anything, but I'm just, I'm looking at this objectively and thinking that there's no reason to drag a Yeti into anything as well. And even at worst, can you really do him for anything? Can you go back and give him a yellow card? Why would that well, result a two in game a two-game ban? Game? Apparently, yeah. I know. Makes no bizarre. sense. I mean, I look this this thing about Rangers and people are starting to pay attention to it now because the story was always that you know Celtic being so bad and Rangers are away with the league, but that's kind of run out of steam as far as people are concerned. A wee bit has become the norm, but yeah, there, there's a there seems to be an issue here with the league in the in a couple of games this season where Rangers players are committing red card offences on the pitch being allowed to stay on the pitch and being dealt with retrospectively um, and in actual fact they've won those games I think they've won I think they've won in the games where those incidences have happened they've won those games by a single goal mm, a, 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 a lot of the time but like, or a it's, draw it's as it was to, at the weekend there yeah so it's a yeah, one or a draw, draw. Yeah. So it's it's nothing really that we can spend too much time discussing our Celtic podcast because we are pish at the moment. So we just have to take a med- <laughs> we just have to take a medicine on that one and maybe um, do it again. Bang goes the positivity. Now. That, that, was, that was quick. That was record <laughs> I, time. <laughs> I popped my I Aye. popped my own positivity bubble. Um, Odson Edward finds himself top goal scorer in the league and Celtic's top goal scorer. He's got twelve goals. I think he scored seven and seven. He's on quietly, quietly. Dynamite Can you be on Quietly dynamite form He's 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 quietly coming back Into the swing of things Isn't he He had 22 goals Last season Do you think he can get Near that Melly With the games left He possibly might not Get near that But 7 and 7 Is good going there now And while he's Playing well He's not hit that Odson Edward form We know he can Because he's still Having those shots That are hitting off defender, he's still running into defender, so I think there's more to come from him. He has been playing better, and to be honest, I think we just need to try and get the best out of Odson Edward. He is our best player, and I think having him in there now, Neil Lennon said at the weekend, his body language is better, he's working hard. Um, I don't really want to buy into that, but I think he has been a lot better in the last few weeks anyway. That kind of annoyed me, really, actually, yeah. to be honest. I, I know I'm at the stage now where kind of everything Neil Lennon says kind of annoys me, right? And I'm, I'm kind of out of patience with giving him the, the benefit of the doubt. But I, that did irk me because you're right, as soon as the, the topic of conversation turned to Odds and Edward, we started hearing about his body language and his work ethic. And I'm like, look, this guy, he's, even the, the current scoring form he's on, right? Was it seven and seven, you said, right? That's, that's obviously absolutely brilliant. But it's 11 in his last 15 as well, stretching all the way back to even goals against AC Milan, Sparta Prague, the cup final and all that. The last thing we need to worry about is implying that Odson Edward has been lazy up to this point. I, I've got no time for it whatsoever. I know he's not as he's not been as good as he has in previous seasons, but neither has anybody. I just I, I don't really have any time for the laziness or bad body language chat that often creeps in about these guys. So uh, nah, I mean, it was, that kind of it bothered was only me. A cu- it was only a couple of weeks ago I was saying, you know, if we got an offer for Odson Edward in January, I would take it because mm. I was uh, getting a bit pissed off with his with his form and all that sort of thing. But the, whether he was 
in a huff or whether he was refusing to sign a new contract or maybe he was hoping, you know, a move would come up for him in January. Whatever's happened over the past, you know, couple of months, he seems to have shaken that off and, and returned a bit to him old self, his old self, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely, especially with the Celtics' third goal. The, the, he scores the penalty, obviously, but the, the the second goal he gets is just a great run from him and it's a great pass from Turnbull as well. And just to finish it past the keeper, that's the odds in Edward. We know just when he's one-on-one, you just expect the cool head. He doesn't even need to take a touch and just puts it past the keeper. And when that one went in, I thought, aye, definitely he's back because he has been scoring recently, but there's been a lot of penalties in there. That goalkeeping was hilariously bad. For that, that, his second goal ran off. It was a great finish to knock her past him, and obviously Turnbull's ball over the top was was perfect. But the keeper hesitates, and somehow he did that thing that we're often criticising our keepers for, and that they come out and make themselves smaller in yeah. the act. They, they somehow managed to make themselves two D, and the ball goes past them. So um, that that was absolutely hilarious goalkeeping. There was calls for offside for this goal, but I think Edward was just onside and. Maybe if you're looking at it, Celtic got a bit of luck with the old ghost goal, but I don't think the full ball was over the line anyway. So, no. while we played well, we did get a wee bit of luck, but it's deserving. Full performance was capped off by Albin Ayeti um, getting himself on the score sheet, and that's another thing that I, I like to see. He's been a bit huffy, kind of huffy as of late. He never looks happy coming off. In fact, the only time he does look happy is when he's getting involved in the goals. And do you know what, Stephen? I can take that. I'll accept that for the guy. Uh, you don't necessarily want to see a player that's pleased at getting subbed, do you? You know, I think sometimes, no, you know, yeah. when, when people get pulled off, you know, you see the comments online, you see people, oh, he's raging at that. He's Look at his face, man. He doesn't, and you're like, ah, ex- exactly. He, he's, he lives to be on that pitch and he lives to be scoring goals. So he's not going to be happy getting taken off. When people get pulled off, just look at his face. There, there's your, your clip from, from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right, though. You, you want a guy who basically... Lee Griffiths is the same. Lee Griffiths absolutely lives off you know, scoring goals, and if he's not involved in the goals, then you know he, he's, he just seems like a different person. He seems completely unhappy with himself. A Yeti has good reason for that because he hasn't scored since what was that September now? Did he yeah. score against Hibs? And, the, and that's his, his last goal involvement. And I think... That brings him to six goals in about 25, 26 appearances this season. A lot of them have been off the bench ever since he kind of went off form enough, but we wanted more than that. We wanted more than that this season. And Charlie Adam has been truly vindicated, saying he's not of the level we think he is when he signed. <laughs> six the and biggest 17. crime of this season is making Charlie Adam right. Six and 17 in the league for, for that right okay. Yeah, But yeah, great to see him back in the score sheet because we all thought... When he burst onto the scene, we all thought this was going to be it now because he scored five in seven or eight games or something like that and he looked as if he was going to score every time he touched the ball. So it's great to see him back on and hopefully, I know he didn't score in the Motherwell game, but hopefully he can just build on this. This this is all we've kind of got left for this season now. It's just hoping people can gain some kind of forward momentum, whether it's their own form, whether it's building partnerships with players on the park. We just need to start seeing these things and hopefully we get a wee bit more from Ayeti going forward now. But 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 that's it. That's why I'm quite reluctant this season to write all of these players off. Ayeti's goals per 90 minutes is like 0.75. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and actually that's third in the league. You know, that's mm, that's yeah. stat-wise, that's quite high. And, and you kind of touch on something there, Stephen, inadvertently. I know we were going to talk about it anyway, but you're saying, you know, look looking forward. That's something that Neil Lennon was doing after the Motherwell game, you know. And he's been brought in. He's been brought in. Now, I think there's going to be a bit of disagreement here because he was... People have been a bit raging and accused him of trolling and accused him of having a go at fans and winding up fans with his comments after the Motherwell game about, you know, the the two or three seasons or four seasons going forward. Um, And I can understand why people have been riled up by that somewhat. However, I think it's quite interesting the way that people have been getting upset about that because Neil Lennon made these comments in a conversation he was having with journalists about being misquoted and misinterpreted and about how what he says is selectively listened to in order to get clickbait or to drive people annoyed or or whatever people's motivations are for selectively picking out Neil Lennon's comments. So people are saying, I can't believe he's he's saying he's going to be here for four years. He's having a laugh. This is this is him. He's absolutely, you know, riled up against the fans and he's basically sticking two fingers up at the fans. What Neil Lennon said for clarity, and I'll read it out and then we can discuss it, he said, you sit here and you think about things, you analyse and you talk about it and you try and get the best out of the team. We haven't been able to do that this year, but I'm not running out of my players and I'm not giving up on my players. I think we have a fine squad and it's not been our year and hopefully that can change over the next one, two, three, four seasons going forward. What I think Neil Lennon is saying there is this isn't the end for this team 
These players aren't rubbish. They're not never going to win the title again. This hasn't been our year, but that can change over the next four seasons. And I think what he's saying there is, he's not saying he's going to be here for four seasons winning the league. I think what he's trying to say is, or what he is saying is, you know, next year we could win the league and win the league again the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. Well, it would have been enough then if he'd said we can we can do it next season. I've never heard any manager in my life talking about what's going to happen in four seasons' time. Not ever. It's plenty to just say, I think we can get the league back next season. Stop there before the <laughs> before you run straight into a wall. Neil Lennon knows what he's doing here. I'm not saying he's deliberately trolling fans here, but no, he you're does not, pay but attention. No, you're not, that has been levelled at him. Yeah. At the, for clarity, that has been levelled at him. I know for a fact that he does pay attention to social media. He must Listen know this what's podcast. Yeah, well, he knows what's going on. He knows what's happening with these posts. Everything in Celtic Post, it's been just a deluge of pictures of Neil Lennon with the, the wee Ghostbusters sign through him, right? That's, that's it's hundreds of them, right? He knows that. He knows this is happening. And <laughs> I'm, sure I had, I'm sure I had some sort of... Does it exist in the Green Cross code or something? Aye, the stop. I, but the, the, do you know the reason I've said that? It's because I've conflated two things. Some of them are... Like Slimer. Like Slimer. I, well, some of them are Slimer with Neil Lennon's face on them as well. So some of them are that. So I've kind of conflated those two things. But he knows what he's saying, though. Like, why are yeah, you there talking about four seasons' time? It's, it's ludicrous. And the, the problem. But this is uh, this is the pouring over every single word. He's you've got to remember. Who's that? But this isn't rehearsed. Well, it's it's partly. It's partly his fault, but it's also partly the fault of the people that are listening to these calls. It's not rehearsed. He's, he's, he's saying there, look, it's bad this season, but it's. I think it's going to change over the next one, two, three, four years. This is a good team and they can win the league. But people are like, oh, he's saying he's going to be here for four years. I know if you're going to say, well, why didn't he just stop it next season? He didn't say, you know, if we're pouring over every word they did say, one thing he didn't say was, and I'm going to change that next year and the year after and the year after and the year after, or seeing four years time when I'm still Celtic manager. I'll be winning the league then. He never made but any reference to that. Not one of these that. players, not one of them is going to be here in four seasons' time. Not a single one of them is going to be in the squad. So what is he talking about changing things for four seasons' time? I just, it's just I, an honestly, odd thing I can to under, say. Yeah, look, I can understand why he's gotten to this point with Neil Lennon. I truly can, right? But one, I just think sometimes it is just, it, like this pouring over every utterance from his mouth and taking offence at it is, it is for me get, getting a bit beyond the pale, Melly. No, I think it's self-interest from Lennon here trying to say, look, I'll be here, I'll be here. It doesn't matter what you think. I think he, he knows what he's doing here. I don't think he's meaning to rile up fans, but I think he knows he's trying to just put himself out there saying, look, this is my job. I'm not going to give it up easily. You're going to have to get me out before I le- I'm not leaving. That's the way I, I look at it. Well, I I don't know I don't know how you got that opinion from what Neil Lennon said. I don't think he's like pure self interest. He did say something else earlier on in the interview. He was quite critical. I think I'm not sure he singled out anybody, but he was quite critical of the likes of Stan Petrov, which was surprising because Stan Petrov was on Celtic TV um, making these mm. comments. Uh, Chris Sutton, another another pundit, he goes. Neil Lennon says, "I think it's a sign of the times. We live in a time where it isn't objective anymore. It's more personal." I think that people don't see you or choose to see you as a human being. The criticisms and the abuse is a lot harsher, Neil Lennon said. He goes, sometimes I think I'm boring when I'm doing press interviews because people just analyse everything you say. I've seen it with other people looking to court public opinion, get more followers, more clickbait, that kind of stuff. These people have sold their souls a bit and I'm quite happy with the way I've dealt with things. My conscience is completely clear in terms of how I've gone about my work. And I thought that was an interesting comment about Neil Lennon's conscience being clear um, and again we're, do- we're doing exactly what Neil Lennon is moaning about and what I just criticised pouring over every word but I think that what the manager's saying is very important Stephen and it's really the only insight we've got into what he thinks is going on because we're not being told anything else so we, yeah, we've only yeah. got these press comments to read into I've seen again some people take an issue with Neil Lennon claiming his conscience is clear do you have any issue with that? It depends what he means because I'm not really sure what it does mean if he means that he's tried his absolute best this season, then yeah, I can I can absolutely believe that. But I can also hold the opinion that simultaneously I can think, yes, he has probably tried his best this season, but that what he thinks is his best and what he thinks is an acceptable approach to modern football isn't he good enough? So I can I can think of both of those things at the same time. I, I don't know what he means when he says his conscience is clear, he's not guilty. I don't I, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I think you know, people are levelling. I think what he might be referencing there though, is the sort of thing that Melly said, you know, there's a lot of stuff now coming out about Neil Lennon that he's selfish, he's arrogant, he's waiting for a payday, he's only all these things that would suggest 
that he's not acting in good conscience as Celtic manager. And I think he's maybe addressing those with those comments, Melly. What do you think? Well, possibly, but the reason we can say these things that Tony Lennon is because back in October he said, if it's not working well, I'll walk away. He said yeah. that. Nobody forced him to say that. And now it's not working well. Celtic are absolutely terrible on runs that I've never seen in my life before of bad results. And he's still here. Now he's claiming no, I'm not leaving, you, you'll not get me walking away. So it's not as if we're just making these things up about Neil Lennon. He's come out and said it. And like, I understand some of what he's saying, but at the same time, the results have been absolutely atrocious for any manager. I watched an interview recently with Neil Lennon. He was on with Peter Martin and he was saying about Ronnie Dyler how it's just not good enough. And he's pretty much just saying exactly what's happening at Celtic right now. In fact, Celtic are worse right now than they were under Ronnie Dyler. For me, Stephen, I think this thing with Neil Lennon, it's we're not going to discuss the manager's position. We all, everyone that listens to this podcast, know how we feel about it. And I'm, I'm, I know it's someone's employment and someone's job and blah blah blah. But I kind of feel that a, a, a manager is a cog in a machine, and and see once that cog gets worn down, you just take it out and replace it. You don't have yeah. debates about how well that cog has served you and yeah. how that cog might come back to life next season and yada yada yada. It is a piece of a puzzle. It is a part of a machine that everyone knows is not functioning at the moment and it hasn't functioned and it's failed its primary task and its primary task was to win the league. Yeah, yeah. and but see the stuff about it's, it's someone's job, you don't want to see something. That's the gig though, that's what being a football yeah. manager is. He doesn't work for the council or something like that where if you think if you sack him or he's going to really struggle to pay the bills and all that, he is in a job where the average length of time in that employment is three years and you almost certainly will be sacked at some point. Yeah. Almost all managers are, unless you're extremely successful and you get to move on to a different level, you will be sacked. So I don't don't really have much time for this chat about how oh imagine wanting a, a man to be parted from his his livelihood and all that. He's gonna he's gonna be absolutely fine. He's worked in football for the better part of thirty five years. He will be absolutely fine if you sack him. So I, I don't really see that side of the, the argument. See this stuff about the media, right? I think he's having a go at Chris Sutton because he wrote a column, I believe, saying that he should go and so Neil Lennon has taken against that right but the thing is Chris Sutton was previously accused of not doing his job because he was the last he was one of the last people to call this for what it is so mm. him finally coming around to everyone else's point of view that Neil Lennon should have gone that that's not the time to lash out at the guy and I saw on BT Sports last in fact it was during the St Mirren game where Chris Sutton finally said this has got to be his last game he said that when the goal, the, the second goal went in, he said this has got to be his last game. I saw that live because I had it on at the same time as I was I was watching the game. That's not going for clicks, that's not clickbait, that's not looking for attention, that's him doing his job live on telly, yeah. being paid for his opinions. There's nothing to do with clickbait or selling your soul or anything like that. These guys are pundits who are paid for their opinion. They're not... I know it's an awkward position to be in, but they're not professional pals of Neil Lennon, so you can't just continue to do that. See if you find yourself, you're just lashing out every day. You're lashing out the media. The media have got an agenda. They're all you know, trying to fill their own pockets. It's trying to create clickbaits or clickbait and all that. The fans are hysterical. Everybody, Everybody's against you. Is it maybe worth turning turning the mirror on yourself a wee bit and wondering why? Yeah. See if you're calling everybody else a dick. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. If, if That's one thing is, that does surprise me, that that I can appreciate Neil Lennon's going to defend himself. That That's baked into his character. Yeah. Does need to come out and defend himself, but part of me also looks at the situation. And goes, but Neil, you've been in football for almost my whole life, Neil Lennon, and this yeah. is the gig. When managers aren't doing well, you get difficult questions. You get questions asked of you, and when pundits are paid to comment on the game and managers aren't doing well, they have to write these. You know, it's like it's. I feel like it's all it's all part of the game. We're all bought, we're all bought into this game, and Neil Lennon's Aye. sort of there, sitting there every week, riling against this game and I think to myself I don't know I mean admittedly he sits down in front of the press twice a week every week has to do it He's he needs to find new and different different things to say you know he has to answer these questions and give quotes but I just wish that there was maybe less defensive a bit less on the defensive because we're by that now Melly. Yeah we definitely are it's Neil Lennon knows knows what he's in for here. He's been in the position before at Celtic where he was under pressure and he got, he turned it around. But you can't rely on past re uh, reputations here. This season has been a disaster from pretty much start to finish. And at points you thought maybe 
could Neil Lennon turn it around? The time for that was months and months ago, and it's progressively it's got worse, even up to like January there. We won one game in the whole month. That's unacceptable in any month for Celtic, never mind a month where we've the see the months previous to that we were so poor as well. The football's been shocking, the results have been shocking, and off the park things that have been happening with Neil Lennon involved have been absolutely shocking as well. I don't see how Neil Lennon could come on and defend anybody else in his position and say they deserve to keep their job because he hasn't in the past. I don't see why he should be any different. <laughs> see, to be honest, I... I feel like I'm always saying this sentence before I go on to display that I feel the opposite, but but this is why I do have a bit of sympathy with Neil Lennon because, see what we're seeing just now? It's uncharted territory. This is yeah. unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Every word out of his mouth shouldn't have to happen because, to my knowledge, I think in my life following football, this is the longest any manager as unpopular as this has ever survived in a job past the point of no return. I think I can't think of a single other example where someone was three months past your, your lowest ebb and getting worse and still being in the job. I can't think of that ever happening before. So I do sympathise with the fact that he has kind of been hung out to dry in, a, in a media terms here as well because he's not got a leg to stand on and the more he talks, the, the more he contradicts himself and all that. But where I don't have sympathy is with this is the result of what happens when you create a siege or bunker mentality against your own fans and you are on the other side of it. This, this is what happens. See, if you're bunkering down, you're, you're, you're in the bunker and you turn around and say, right, we're, we're going to do this. You're all with me, aren't you, lads? And you turn around and the only person standing there is Peter Lowell. Maybe that's the time to say, are we the baddies? But no, it wasn't. It was not, not everybody is- else is wrong. And this is the pro- this is the point I was making before about Celtic's PR, Stephen. Like we are being told as fans, look, all this stuff going on in the background that is really snookered our season here. Effectively, there's lots yeah. of stuff going on that we just we can't deal with, and it's unprecedented. And we were presented with these challenges, and we haven't managed these unique challenges. Come and tell us why. Don't yeah. just tell us he's doing a good job. He's this. Come on this podcast and say, here's the situation. We've got this happening, that happening, and and we're struggling to deal with this the players are affected this way and that way instead of like these wee Neil Lennon will talk for 10 minutes to the press and then like leak out a wee bit of information about a, a player a player that's struggling like Elhamed's leaving right now there were rumours that he was homesick and he wanted to go and Neil Lennon addressed mm. those rumours and says it's the first I've heard right remember this a couple of weeks ago Neil Lennon said yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. it's the first Dude, I've heard Dahan tweeted it as well Duhud Dahan tweeted it that you know he, he doesn't want to go home now we're being told Elhamed's going home right and obviously you can't divulge personal information about the players. But let's take El Hamed. There's been rumours, and we've heard rumours, that you know the players are, are really struggling. A lot of them are over here without their wives, without their families. They're going home. They're sitting in empty houses. They're playing a bit of PlayStation. They're making a bit of dinner. But really, their life is weird, reduced training, and then back home to empty apartments with almost nothing to do. Um, and there's been talk that El Hamed has, has really struggled and he's moving back to Israel now because that's where his family and all that are. Do you know what we could have done there? We could have built a wee communal room in Lennox Town that like Neil Lennon said months and months ago so everybody was all happy again. Maybe that's just not enough. Maybe that's I know, not enough. but he said, has it, has it even come to fruition yet? He said that months and months ago, but I've not heard of anything else since then about it. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure I would necessarily expect an update on that. But we, So we know now, confirmed, that El Hamed has struggled to settle, right? That, yeah. That's just confirmed. We know that now. It's out in the open. We know now that Barkas has also struggled to settle. That's come out in the open. Neil Lennon addressed the Shane Duffy situation. He goes, I think he's found it difficult to settle. So there we go. He's up here on his own. There's that There's that phrase again. Life away from the training ground is difficult for them all, but especially the guys who are here on their own. He will be the first to admit he isn't as good or as consistent as he has been. He'll be massively disappointed with the way that he feels about the club, but there is still time for him to find his best form now between the end of the season. And now he's been very self-analytical to his own detriment. He's extremely hard on himself and he's been struggling to deal with the criticism from all and sundry. So there we go. There's another player. Shane Duffy's come up here. Can he settle? And I think if these issues are arising, why are we finding out about them now? Why not mm. like let us know as fans? Look, this is a real challenge, something that we are struggling to overcome. And I think I think the problem, Stephen, is the questions then turn to why are we struggling to overcome these issues? Because Rangers signed... I don't know who Rangers signed the summer, right? I don't have their transfer log in the back of my head, but I know they signed Itten and Roof. I know these yeah. two guys joined Rangers from abroad in the summer. No similar issues there. 
Rangers must have players living on their own. No similar issues there. Right? Ohamed's been here for, what, 12, 18 months? He's struggling. Well, Hadji's been here almost a similar amount of time. He's no struggling. So maybe that's maybe there's questions there about why Celtic are failing to deal with these issues that other clubs in the league seem to be dealing with. Well, yeah, I suppose we can only go off this this admittedly slightly shaky evidence and that we look at these examples and how they don't stack up against other people's. I, I can't speak for people personally and people and about these players and how difficult it has been for them because the reality is I've never moved to Israel on my own and just been expected to get on with it and face the stuff about all that. You know, the joke we always make, oh, but you're a millionaire, oh, but you get paid a fortune. Right? I, I don't know how difficult it, it must be to be away from your family like that. However, I do know people who have done that. I do know people who have moved abroad with the idea of being, right, I just need to get through the next couple of years, I'll make a load yeah. of money and then I'll move back home. So it's not that unusual. However, what is unusual about it is the current circumstances with all that's been going on, trademark, right, all the, all the stuff that people are going through just now, that's probably as unique a set of circumstances you can, as you can possibly find. You know, so it, maybe it's just a case it, of, difficult. maybe we're looking too deeply into it. Maybe in El Hamid's case, it's not a case of, right, he desperately wants to stay at Celtic, but he can't cope with the situation. Maybe the case with El Hamid is he's like, well, being abroad, isn't he? Oh, it's cracked up to be, and I can make similar yeah, money and be yeah. back in Israel. And he's like, he's no, he's no chucked it, but mentally he's like, I can't, I can't really be bothered with this. You know I what I mean? It's maybe that's a, a more likely scenario. But although I'm not casting aspersions on El Hamid, we would all be in a very similar situation. You know, if I was, as you say, Stephen, over in Israel doing a podcasting job and nothing else, and then all my pals and family were over here, I, I would say as well, look, I'm just going to go home. I yeah, think yeah. it's a bit different with El Hamid from maybe the other two. Like the guys, what was what, 28 when we bought him, he'd played in Israel his whole career. Should we not be doing a wee bit of due, due diligence on the guy to find out if it, he is going to struggle going abroad, if he's never been played abroad? Because again, this is Neil Lennon's guy because it came from his mate agent. This is how he ended up signing for Celtic with the other two. He has, he'd played abroad before and, and struggled. Oh, had he? Uh, he'd played abroad before and struggled. But oh, that's even again, worse then. Well, aye, but yeah, I mean, you, you need to take a view on it. But if you've got a good relationship with a guy that's gave you lots of good players before and you say, look... Is he really going to be abroad? Okay, and then you went. Oh, I've spoken to him. I look, he's fine. It didn't work out at Ghent because he didn't like whatever, and it didn't work out at uh, Dynamo Bucharest because he didn't like whatever. But he's he's pretty confident it'll work out for him in Scotland from what he's seen. Then there's only so much you can go. There's no foolproof test that you can conduct on these players to find out if they're going to settle or not. Surely, no. But no, when you but get to psychological that profiling. Sorry, Millie. Psychological profiling does take a huge part in modern scouting that people really we go don't through. Do that, mate. <laughs> well exactly. We, don't do that. No, we, we just be we just talk about how we've got an eye for a player and talk to one agent a year. So Neil Lennon's that, Lennon got a so. Blackberry and the two numbers in it are Mark Riley and Dudu Dahan. That's our scouting network. <laughs> He phones up his agent and goes, "Look, there's this boy at Preston. I want to sign him. There's this boy, boy at Bournemouth. I want to, I want to sign him. Do you think it'd be good to him? This is the feedback he gets. He either gets, oh mate, he's brilliant. Get him up the road. Or nah, he's shit. You don't want him. That's that's <laughs> that's probably as far as our scouting goes." Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs coming off their parents plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig underwritten by golden rule insurance company they offer flexible budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals get more cool facts about united healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I think, see, with uh, the likes of Duffy and Barkas as well, like, Duffy isn't the only centre-half at Celtic and Barkas isn't the only keeper. Yes, we've played other ones, but Neil Lennon continually played Duffy when he was having an absolute nightmare in every single game. The, looking back at this season, he's talked about individual errors. Well, if players aren't happy at Celtic, if they're making all these individual errors, is that not the environment Neil Lennon's created around the club and at the club because I, I think if what you're you going mean? to say, come out and say that look, it's another individual error well you're the one that's created this environment where these errors keep happening so you're either not giving players instructions properly not giving them confidence not motivate them properly this continually happened to Celtic for months on end and this is Neil Lennon's team that's him had four transfer windows he's been here this is in his second season this is his team probably has doing as well. Yes, I see what you mean there because, you know, I suppose another argument would be has Neil Lennon, for want of a better word, mismanaged the situation? I don't think yeah. there's any argument that he's mismanaged the Duffy thing. He probably put too much faith in Shane Duffy and didn't recognise that this player was badly out of form soon enough. And I think that's something, Stephen, that's been levelled at Neil Lennon all season. Not recognising soon enough when players are badly out of form. Happened with Brown, happened with Duffy, could argue it happened with Ryan Christie. You know, we've seen it as a recurring theme. Neil Lennon seems to think the best way to get these players out of the funk, I think as he put it, is to just keep playing them and hope it clicks. Where in retrospect, what we've found with the introduction of Stephen Welsh and and taking Brown out of the team for a period of time, that actually what happens is you bring Brown out of the team, you bring him back in when he needs, you get a couple of good performances out of him, you take Shane Duffy out, put Stephen Welsh in, and Stephen Welsh has been great last week. <laughs> yeah, and but the, the thing is, that it hugely depends on who you are as well. Because if you're one of Lennon's pals, one of his one of his boys, one of the hardcore, you'll play thirty games before you get taken out of the one team of the because course. you're bad form. If you're not, you'll play three games and you'll get binned like Barkas. Or I don't know. And I know we've we've just been over the the stuff about Barkas failing to settle. But if the same is true about Duffy, then as Melly said, why did he play 25, 30 games before he get finally binned for the second time? And Barkas is out after six. So there doesn't really seem to be any rhyme or reason to who is trusted to play through his form and who needs taken out of the team. It's, it's the only an interesting thing that, point. It's an interesting yeah. point you make on that one, Stephen, just before you drift away from Barkas and Bain and all that, because some of Scott Bain's performances as of late, as you've described, he has a ball-shaped hole in him. Um, <laughs> have got me thinking, like, take yeah. Barkas out of the equation. Surely there's a conversation here to be had about whether Connor Hazard is really that much worse than Scott Bain. What the truth? I don't know anymore. I don't know what's going on with the keepers anymore. I've, I've absolutely no idea. I feel, I feel like it doesn't really matter who they play in goals because it's it, it's just an absolutely bizarre situation all round. To have been rotating three keepers all season just seems absolutely mental to me. We talk about unprecedented things. I can't think of any other team currently <laughs> wrestling with three keepers all season. But I, I just I don't think Bain is is good enough, right? And, and I know it seems very harsh because he is a He's not terrible, but he's a very, very ordinary keeper. I don't really yeah. mind him being around a bit as long as he comes in and plays like two or three games a season in an absolute emergency. But how I feel currently about Celtic is that I've, I've, I've had the phrase kind of rattling around in my head a bit recently in, in that if you're not part of Celtic's future, I don't want you part of the present. Do you know, mm. do you know what I mean by that? So it's like if, I feel like that about a lot of the players and it includes... Scott Brown, which seems quite harsh because he's obviously a huge part of Celtic's past. So it, it, I, I don't like saying you're not part of the future, but the fact is he's not. So that's why I would just prefer to stick with Sorrow, despite the fact that Scott Brown came in and played well against Kilmarnock. And I certainly feel that way about, about Bain. If Hazard's any good, bear in mind he was picked for the cup final only yeah. for Neil Lennon to come out a couple of weeks later and call him the third choice keeper, which was absolutely bizarre again as well. If he's any good, play him. And if he's not any good, then you know it's it's kind of over for him because of how the, how this season's gone. I don't really see any sense in just sticking with Ben because we know Barkas isn't going to play just now anyway because it just hasn't worked out for him. They tried to back him, they tried to give him a bit of support and you know name him yeah, the number he's kind one. Of but out it just the didn't equation. work. And he's yeah. out of the equation for the first. It just table. didn't work. 
I just I'd rather see Hazard, and I'm not one of these guys who thinks just go with the youth. I just start playing all these young players left and right because that's not going to work long term either. We're not going to turn up to next season with eight or nine youth players in the starting team, and it's going to be successful. So I, I'm not one of these extreme example or extremists. <laughs> mm. Bizarre choice of words, but I'm not one of these people who thinks right just tear it all up and go with the youth. But I do think if you've got something good there, if you've got a little diamond in the rough, Hazard might not be the case for him, but it's worth persevering with to the, to yeah. the end of the season because he couldn't be possibly worse. There's no there's no ways that are worse keeper than Ben. That's I think that's an important distinction you make. You know, um, don't just play youth players because the season is in your mind nah. effectively a write off. We still need to win these games. But if you think, you know, if the beginning of the season you assessed your squad and you went, look, there's this boy. He's, he plays left back or he plays centre half or he plays midfield. He's not quite there yet. But you know what? If we're if we're ahead in the league and we might start giving him some game time towards the end of the season in preparation for next year. Don't bend that plan just now. Yeah. Do you mean don't get these wee guys in and get, as you say, Stephen, the, the wee diamonds? Get get them playing because that's what we need. Well, don't. There, there's a difference between playing youth for the sake of it and playing them because they've been good. You know, don't mm. take punts on it. But if those players have been demonstrably better than what's what's supposedly ahead of them, then stick with them. And that, that's kind of the case. That will probably take us quite nicely into talking about Stephen Welsh for the the Motherwell game as well. Yeah, he's not put a foot wrong really in the last couple of games, has he? No, whenever he's played in the the back four, he looked a bit ropey in the back three. Was it against AC Milan and Rangers? It, which was fair enough. They're decent teams, and he's kind of thrown in at the deep end with Shane Duffy alongside him. But being alongside Ayers really helped his game, and because he gets the goal at the weekend, maybe you notice it a bit more. But even the Kilmarnock game during the week, you didn't really notice him and Ayer much, and that's exactly what mm. you want from your defence. Just solid enough and. John Joe Kenny coming and, and then making his debut against Kilmarnock was solid enough as well. But Stephen Welsh getting up for that header, look, that's two two goals from set pieces for Celtic in the last couple of games. And it's all about the delivery. We moaned all season about Ryan Christie and how it's just hitting off the first man. Stephen Welsh isn't the tallest guy, but the delivery was absolutely perfect and he just bulleted that header home. It was brilliant to see. Oh, if he take us Turnbull, the, the, when we're talking about <laughs> David Turnbull here, I, I want to. I need to say there was a period. I think it was in the first half where the ball sort of fizzes out to him a wee bit, and he takes it on the touch, sort of flicks it up for himself, and then takes a shot in at the, the goal. It didn't end up yeah, a goal, but absolutely tremendous for wee takers there. Yeah, um, Stephen <laughs> Stephen Welsh as well, Melly. You touched on something that I think is important. I, I want to see Stephen Welsh be. He isn't the biggest, no. and he, you know he's certainly probably not going to get any taller. But I want to see him be a bit more physically imposing. Yeah, he is quite strong, but he is still a young guy. We have to remember that. And when it comes down to like him or Duffy, you'd pick Welsh every week right now because when he's come in, he's not making these glaring errors. And see, if Welsh does make an error, you can probably say, look, he'll learn from that. Whereas Duffy's been making them continuously. Just when you were speaking about Tumble there again, he was great. Another couple of assists against Kilmarnock and the through ball for Edward, as we spoke about, was brilliant. In this game, the... He's moved to the number eight position. David Turnbull's been Celtic's best player this season and we took him out of his best position where he shone during the week to move him back to number eight and bring in Tom Rogic. Why is this? Why is this? Rogic was all right, but we won 4-0 during the week. I realised Christie was injured, but taking a guy out of his best position just just because is mental for me. As again, Neil Lennon, we got the win in the end, but it could have been better because Turnbull is like our best player in there. Well, there's Ewan Henderson on the bench. I don't think you can get Sorrow and Brown in there, but having Brown and Rogic in a midfield has not worked for a long time for Celtic. And when it got into the second half, when Celtic let that goal in, Lennon got it all wrong again. And I just felt like there's no need for this, that it was all going fine. You take out like for like after a 4-0 win, you don't need to change positions about for me. On Welsh, before we move too far away from Welsh, I would like to give him a lot of credit because... What he's faced this season hasn't been ideal either. No. He has come into this team under possibly the worst circumstances imaginable oh, yeah. because he was thrown in at the deep end, as Melly said, against AC Milan and Rangers and then dropped again as if it was his fault, as if he was to blame in any way for those games, which he wasn't. And he has developed on from there to looking quite good and now he's in a very good position because he automatically looks like a breath of fresh air purely by not being Shane Duffy. Purely yeah. by not being Duffy, he looks good, right? And and I don't I don't mean to do down his achievements in this because see if you actually look at the the Motherwell performance, he was good and he was much better than Duffy has been all season. But even then, he actually only won forty three percent of his defensive duels, which was the poorest of any of the defenders. 
Greg Taylor was actually their best at 75. So he's, it wasn't like this imperious defensive display. However, it's just it's just better than Shane Duffy. Do you know what I mean? He, so he's got a lot to work on. He's got a lot to a lot of developing still to do. But but that's why we need to just stick with this guy and try and get get him as ready for the team as he possibly can be going forward. This is this is how I kind of feel about Shane Duffy. He might not be, you know, Steve Welsh might not be as good a footballer as Shane Duffy. He might not win as many of his duels as Shane Duffy. But Shane Duffy has got an inbuilt massive error that yeah. could go at oh, any yeah, moment. Yeah. You know, these game-changing, critical mistakes that Shane Duffy seems to make that Welsh doesn't have at the moment. And that's good enough for me. That You know, that is good enough for me yeah, at the moment. Yeah. That you, you've, as a fan, you feel a lot more secure, as bad as it sounds, not having Shane Duffy on the pitch. And I don't, as we've said before, I don't believe Shane Duffy was a terrible defender. And then he comes up the M6 or whatever motorway takes you to England and Scotland. I think it's the M6. Crosses over the border at Gretna and immediately forgets how to play football. I don't believe that happened. I believe he's a victim yeah. of these circumstances. Um, Turns just, into a pumpkin as soon as he crosses the border. He's just, you know, he just switched off. He's like, can I stop? You know, sometimes we sit down and we go, I've forgotten how to podcast. And then it takes us a while. <laughs> Maybe he comes up to Celtic Park and he goes, forgotten how to defend right it'll come back it'll come back if I just keep my mouth shut and keep doing what I usually do it'll come back and it's no came back Melly no. you said you know you, you made the comment about Roger and Brown midfield and I suppose my question to you would be you know you don't want to change shape you just want to change personnel going into the, the other game one is there a difference in shape between Motherwell and Kilmarnock I suppose that would be my question and second question was who if you didn't want to play Ryan Christie who would you play well Ryan Christie was injured and Tom Rogic comes in which yeah, you can look at it and say, ah, he's maybe the senior player in there. But again, go back to Stephen's point. Is he going to be part of Celtic's future? No. So is no, Ewan hold Henderson? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Look, I'm going to, I'm, I'm pulling you up here. I'm going to pay Dick Advocate here. You can't possibly have two players, one Tom Rogic and one Ewan Henderson. Tom Rogic being admittedly the better performer, admittedly the better player, and say, this weekend, I'm going to play the guy who's worse because the guy who's worse is going to be him next season and Tom Rogic, isn't he? That's... I can you can surely understand why Neil Lennon would have picked Tom Rogic over Ewan Henderson. Yeah, I can, but it's is it any Thank better you. for the team because you're taking your best player out of his best position? It's not about Rogic really, but the fact that you're taking David Turnbull out of that number ten position took so much away from his game. He was decent in the Motherwell game, he was excellent in the Kamarnock game where he's meant to be playing. He's got to play there for me and Celtic yeah. to work around that. Sometimes I think it's make do and mend with Celtic at times. You know, David Turnbull, he's not in his best position, but he still contributed. He got an assist and he, and he played and he played quite well and we, and we got through the game. One thing that I did notice though with Celtic was, Stephen, when the goal went in, um, and let's talk about the goal, but I, I felt like our confidence dropped a bit when that goal mm. went in and it was a bit nervy. And I feel like we're really relying on this confidence thing to get us through games a lot of the time. Bane for the goal, I think he was at fault. I thought he was unprepared. And I, I thought his footing was a bit off. I, I thought he, he should have been maybe more alert. Yeah, it's it's interesting you should say that because I listen to, I don't really understand goalkeeping. A lot of people listen to this will maybe say, well, you don't understand anything about football. But <laughs> but in particular, goalkeeping is a thing that I'm, I'm not really sure of because I can't imagine myself doing it. As, as I've said before, if I, make a, if I make a save playing fives, it's because I've turned out the way of it and it's hit off my heel or something like that, right? Yeah. So I, I listen to people, the, the David Priest is very good when he appears on podcasts talking about goalkeeping because that's what he does. He kind of breaks down the mechanics of it. And I think a lot of his philosophy is on it that the footwork is absolutely everything. Where you, yeah. What you do with your feet just before a shot comes in is absolutely paramount to it. And I feel like Scott Bain quite often gets that wrong. It quite often is, is caught flat-footed. I, I appreciate that this goal was very difficult to keep out anyway because of it's a, but that's a big deflection. There's not always a lot you can do about that. But even still, I thought, looking back, it, it didn't even jump. He just kind of went in mm -hmm. over the top of him because he kind of, he kind of looked a wee bit rooted to the spot. So <laughs> to answer your question, I think partially, at least partially, at fault for that. Maybe not. It's it's not like a massive blunder. I wouldn't yeah. look at that and think, oh, that's a goalkeeping howler. It's not well, the Devries. No, no, it's not, it's not Devries. But I would look at it and say, probably could have done better, if not an absolute outright you know, flap at it. I think Bain was kind of at fault, but see the space Alan Campbell had to run in for picking the ball up just inside the the shy line and coming inside and being able to get that shot. Scott Brown could have maybe closed him down for me a bit, but 
he's backing he's backing off him. But when Alan Campbell just takes a simple wee touch on his to move it back across, Scott Brown keeps running the other way. It was a strange one. I think he he got he got his angles all wrong, Bane. But just after that, again with Celtic, look, they were playing well. The the goals they'd scored were good. They possibly could have been a couple more out, a couple more up. But just when that goal went in, the just the panic in, in some of Celtic was wild yeah. and something else that was absolutely wild was Neil Lennon's substitutions after that absolutely destroyed the game for Celtic so they did So subs that came on Lee Griffiths, Soro, Elianusi and Laxalt Miley Yeah it was, I thought that Greg Taylor was playing well I thought he was a good outlet for Celtic on that uh, left hand side and bringing him off for Laxalt who doesn't get forward was pretty harsh because I don't think Taylor was he was tiring much I thought he was fine and the bringing off Turnbull when he's Celtic's best outlet, especially at the exact time he brought him off when Celtic had a corner. So taking him off while he's just about to take a corner and leaving on Tom Rogic, who notoriously struggles towards the yeah. end of games, is a bit silly for me. And then when you've just let in a goal, bringing on El Yanusi for Turnbull and having a midfield that contains El Yanusi and Rogic when you're trying to maybe contain it, is is very, very naive for me. And then just Lee Griffiths coming on for a Yeti. I thought a Yeti was doing okay. I'd like to see him get a bit longer, but Lee Griffiths, if players look a yard off the pace, he was about four yards off the pace. He looked absolutely <laughs> shocking when he came on. I can understand, Stephen, the like-for-like substitutions, you know, with the two games a week that we'll be playing as of late. Some of it might be down to fitness, but as Melly says, if you want to talk about fitness... You can probably count one hand the amount of 90 minutes Tom Rogic's finished for Celtics and when you're trying to contain the game and get something out mm. of it, that to me was peculiar. Yeah, and I, I would understand the angle of fitness in playing a lot of games, but what also what has to take precedence over that is being able to close these games out. And if you're making substitutions to spare players of fitness and condition, you need what you're not tanking your chances of closing the game out and can and taking all three points because the, for the last few minutes or for the last at least probably 15 minutes of that game Motherwell had several very good chances yeah. they weren't like clean cut chances but when we're talking about like the ball bobbling about in front of the goal mouth and you know, being snatched off the line I think Laxal had a clearance off the line at one point there was one where was it was it Devante Cole hesitated when it was right in front of him and really should have just tried to like throw everything he could at the we, we really could have faced losing the the points for that or drawn to each with that out of absolutely nowhere when Motherwell I mean Motherwell probably would kick themselves for their approach to the game to be honest. I, I saw what they were trying to do, just give up the wide areas and sit kind of quite deep and compact. But what we've learned about Celtic in the well, in the very recent history is that they, they're there to be got at to be honest so that if you if you get in about Celtic they, it can cause them problems so I thought that I thought Melly's right the substitutions towards the end kind of encouraged Motherwell to finally have something about themselves and, and threaten and very very nearly dropped the points again so I know it didn't and you know it's, it's a good result at the end of the day but these things have to be done a little bit more carefully if it really is about taking players off who've played two games in a week you need to keep one eye on the result as well. We did get a signing done, transfer window. We brought John Joe Kenny in from Everton on loan. He's a right back. He's played two games for us. A lot of people were wondering what the point of it was. Well, to be honest, seeing Christopher Ayer back at centre half and a proper right back in there, that's good enough for me. We'd got mega bunts for uh, Jeremy Frimpong. So yeah. bringing in someone on loan to get us through at the end of the season made perfect sense. I think uh, he slotted in nicely. No fusses at all, Phil. John Joe Melly. No, he has. I think he looks pretty solid enough uh, going back the way. It's just maybe the same as problem with Laxalt and Taylor. Just going forward, he's maybe not the best. He's solid enough. He wins his headers. He gets up and down, but it's just his final ball that lets him down. But we'll see how he gets on after a couple of games. He gets thrown in a rugby park and I thought he'd done really well, especially on that pitch. And at the weekend again, maybe just tired towards the end because he hasn't played a lot of football, but I will be keeping an eye on how he gets uh, into the final third. Stephen, I think Celtic must have loaned more right-backs in the period of time we've been doing this podcast than any other position. <laughs> yeah, there, there's quite a, quite the string of them, isn't there? That would, the, the gold standard being Jeremy Toljan, of course. <laughs> yes, but, yeah, um, naturally. Nah, John, John Joe Kenny looks perfectly good. He looks to have slotted in pretty well and it's, it's probably going to seriously ease the possibility of missing Frimpong in any way. Between now and the end of the season, obviously I know he's... he's Unlikely to be a long-term signing, but I was kind of thinking about Frimpong when we were about to record this as well. It's like when Lustig left, 
you know, I think we all agreed that he was pretty done by then anyway. But what we said at the time was that all you need to do is go and get yourself a good replacement and we'll not think about Lustig again. And the two guys we brought in were Frimpong and Alhamid and now they're both gone as well <laughs> in a very short period of time. So it's just it's amazing how quickly things move. But jo- John Joe Kenny, look, he looks really good and it's probably easy to forget that he has, he has won the World Cup at under-17 level. <laughs> he's a, he is a World Cup winner <laughs> at, at under-17 level. So he's, he, he has a bit of success in his career. As far as going forward goes, he had a good chance though. He had a good chance and drew a pretty good save from the keeper. He's actually scored a couple of goals on loan at Schalke, so maybe maybe we can hopefully look forward to him getting on the end of a couple of chances. But I do I do agree with Mel, he's not looked the greatest going forward, but I'm, it's very early days yet. Hopefully we can, we can develop into that a wee bit. Speaking of Jeremy Frimpong, he, he did do an interview in the Athletic, Stephen, after leaving Celtic. Yeah, I, I was having a wee read at that and it, it was quite... It was quite you know, kind of encouraging to be honest because I know there's been a lot of reaction and with good reason everyone's as you kind of hinted at earlier on Jamie you, you said that everyone's kind of focusing on everything a wee bit too much kind of reading things reading between the lines a wee bit too much and come up with stuff that isn't there I think the suggestion at the time was that Jeremy Frimpong had been so badly managed they couldn't wait to get out of Celtic yeah. <laughs> maybe but I, th- I think really going by his own words he just wanted to play in the Bundesliga. Just as simple as that. Can you really blame him, to be honest? Yeah. To go from Scotland to the Bundesliga, any player is going to want to make that move. So I think we can probably just close the book on that in that it was a guy who came, played really well, dipped off a wee bit, got a cracking move, the end, really. So I, yeah. I don't I mean, think there's said- any, yeah, any reason to hold any kind of weird weird feelings about the, the ins and outs of the move. I know people were getting really exercised about the fact that our young players want to leave and all this is like a rat's leaving a sinking ship type comments and I think you'd really need to be careful sometimes as best you can making decisions in the absence of evidence and just drawing mm. your own conclusions about things. You know, there was no indication at all that Jeremy Frimpong hated the training at Celtic. In fact, I'm pretty sure he said the opposite or he was being mismanaged or that Celtic's a terrible club for young players. His comment says, for me, I've always wanted to play in the top leagues and I consider the Bundesliga being the top three in the world. Any disagreement there? No, 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 um, no. He goes, I wanted to take this challenge and see if I can handle it. For me, I want to play to win trophies, as I've said. I want to play for winning teams and I want to win a lot more. I'm 20. I've got a lot of years to play and prove myself and I've still got a lot of work to do so as you say Stephen the Bundesliga came calling it's one of the top three leagues in the world and he wants to go and play there and he probably got a lovely pay packet to do it well what we were told is that he was leaving for the sake of ambition and that's exactly why he's left it he he wanted to achieve something with his career and that thing just so happens to be playing one of the top leagues and now he's doing that so you know that's pretty much it the chapter closed for me and on that we shall wrap up two wins in a row for Celtic I think the most galling thing is Stephen you know the Rangers form has been pretty poor as of late and if Celtic hadn't suffered the difficulties we'd suffered in Dubai and, and performed well in those games would be within touching distance of Rangers just now it'd probably Aye. be I think I had a quick glance I think had Celtic not suffered those two draws and whatever after Dubai would be even after Ibrox we'd be within about four or five points of Rangers at the moment breathing right down their neck the the, the fallout for the Dubai thing you know <laughs> is getting worse and worse as, as time Aye. goes on but them's the breaks I suppose Oh, what could have been had we not dragged a seriously injured player to the Middle East to watch his pals do the bleep test? Oh, what could have been if we had done that? But it was totally During essential. a global pandemic, Stephen. During a global <laughs> pandemic in these unprecedented times. Yes. Um, now, regular listeners will know that um, we are appealing for five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Podcast Addict. If you leave us a five-star review, a funny one, and we enjoy it, we will send you a glorious TMT solid gold badge not solid gold um, and the one thing you have to do is one be funny entertaining leave a five star review but you also must leave a way for us to contact you so in that review include your Twitter handle or whatever just don't put your real name address or phone number obviously Stephen the winner this week is it's a lengthy one I won't read it all out there's loads and loads of jokes in there but for the you know a good review is a short review so that we can read it out but it's, it's still the winner there's a few jokes in there but it ends basically with on a serious note, 20-minute Tims provide outstanding content. Ah, great variety of pre- and post-match content and more such as The Huddle. For someone like myself who lives roughly 440 miles from Celtic Park, this is a brilliant way to keep in touch and stay connected with supporters of this great football club. Keep up the brilliant work, chaps. 
Brad at BradCoops95, brackets, not the actor. No, he's tripped himself up there because that is exactly what Brad Cooper would say to throw us off the scent. It's exactly what it would say. So, superstar fans of the 20 Minutes America. I think LA's 400 miles from here as well. (laughs) Spot on. I've not looked into it, but yeah, must be. Seems about right. I think it's definitely him because it's a a five-star review is born. Oh my god, Melly, honestly. Oh, these... I had to do a lot of work there. At... Yeah, <laughs> it really took me a while, but Jesus, these are getting worse. Melly's, Melly's puns are getting worse. Look, and on that, I will say I've been your host, Jamie. Thank you very much for listening. Get involved in our Patreon. Help let us take this podcast to the stars, Stephen. Yes, uh, get involved with the Patreon. You'll feel good. We'll feel even better. Everybody feels good. Join the party. Cheers for listening, folks. Belly, would you like to say goodbye? No no jokes. You've had your crap joke of yeah. the podcast, so just maybe just keep, play, play, this one, play this one straight. Goodbye. There we go. Thank you for listening. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.